Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. Welcome to another week of Real Personal Finance. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for all those listeners out there, for all of you, and thank you for your listener questions. We have another one today. All right. Yeah. And if you find this is helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen so that we can help the world be financially literate. Yeah. It's our big, hairy, audacious goal. It is a big, big BHAG. Yep. But we got this. Today's question comes from Ryan. Ryan says, great pod. Thanks for your insight. I've learned a ton. Great to hear that, Ryan. My question, my wife and I have money, about 150000 earmarked for a down payment on a home. There's no real urgency to buy a home other than setting down roots as our family grows, as our current rental meets our needs. However, the housing market still red hot and interest rates are increasing. We're contemplating waiting until the housing market slash inflation rates cool a bit. If we decide to wait, say one or two years, is there something we can do with 150000 to better work for us rather than have it sit in cash? Conversely, if we plan to stay in a new home we purchased for 10 plus years, does a higher house cost slash higher inflation rates really matter if we have the money set aside right now? I guess some of this boils down to the old rent versus own question. Additional context, we have separate emergency fund established, we max out our 401ks, we invest in an index fund, brokerage account, and 529 plans. Thanks so much. All right. Well, right on, Ryan. Yeah. First things first, good for you. Sounds like you have a really solid base. (laughs) Definitely. Covering the bases, have the emergency fund established, maxing out 401ks, doing the 529 savings plan, doing extra to a brokerage account. Great. Yeah. Awesome. That is awesome to hear. And now the question is, how do you do better, if possible, with the money that's sitting there in cash? Because we all know cash isn't growing for us. Totally. If we're not going to use this cash, should we do something with us to get a little bit better return? Or are there even options like that out there? And that's what we're going to talk about. And it feels even worse right now with high inflation, right? Like we're seeing inflation tick in. I think last month was like 8.6%. So you just you almost feel like you're losing money having it sit in cash. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good timely topic. This is a really hard time right now for everyone. Yes. It's if you have cash, you feel like you're losing out to inflation. If you have stocks, your that the value of your stocks are going down. Even if you have bonds, yes. the interest rates on those bonds are still relatively low in a high inflationary environment. So it's kind of like, what on earth are we supposed to do here? Yes. And Ryan's question specifically is what do we do with the money that's in cash that we're going to use a home for a home? They're not in a rush, but they want to know if they can do better. Yep. So where would we start? Where would you start? Yeah. Well, so I think a couple directions we can go here. One, I think the first place we can go, and I think we've talked about this before on the show in the past, when someone was looking at buying a home, before we even look at what they should do with the down payment, we can just simply look at, well, you know, the rent versus buy decision that he was kind of asking before. Yep. He can actually go just run, do the math on that really quick. Yeah. Right. So what is he currently paying for in rent, he and his wife? 
and then go look at like the homes that you're thinking about going to buy. What would the mortgage rate be currently on the house? What would that payment be? Let's add in property taxes and insurance. Those four things together, so the mortgage plus property taxes plus insurance, that's going to add up to some number. Mm-hmm. Compare that number to your rent. Yeah, That's the differential between renting versus owning right now. Yeah, that's always the first place to start. It just gives you a sense of you may be in a position where it's cheaper to own a home, even own the same home, even with higher interest rates given whatever part of the country you live in. Yep. Or you may be in a part of the country where it's much cheaper to rent than it is to own that equivalent home. So the first thing is just do the math and start to get a sense for what's going to be a lesser payment. Now, that's not the only factor, of course. There's a lot of other stuff, but you want to start there because if it's cheaper or even the same cost to own as it is to rent, then it doesn't really, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but maybe you're not as concerned about where are interest rates today because Mm -hmm. you're more concerned about do we get a place that works for us, lock in a rate, and if rates fall, great, we refinance. If rates don't fall, great, we've locked in a rate and we're good with it for 30 years. Yep, I think that's a great framework. And the difference between this starting point now versus, say, six months ago is rates have gone up quite a bit. Yes. So like on a half million dollar mortgage, we just crunched some numbers quickly before the show. If you have a half million dollar mortgage rate and it was at 3%, that payment on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, that principal and interest payment, the monthly payment for the mortgage would be about 2100 bucks a month. Now, as we increase by 1%, you know, we get up to let's just say rates aren't quite here yet, but let's just say it was a 7% rate instead of a 3% rate. Well, that mortgage payment instead of $2,100 would be about $3,300. I'm rounding. So if you check my numbers, feel free. That's okay. But it would be about 58% higher today than it was, you know, about a year ago. Because a year ago, you could actually get rates less than 3%. Yeah. Yeah. So the rising interest rates, it it may seem like, okay, what's 1% here, 2% there? Well, it does have a pretty significant difference. And so as you're looking at your decision to buy versus rent, this should be part of that is mm-hmm. understand that it's become more costly to finance property as rates have gone up. So that's the first place to start. Now, obviously, that's just the cost of the mortgage. That's just what you owe the bank. And there's going to be property taxes. There's going to be insurance. There's going to be whatever maintenance costs you can add in just as an estimate. But that's what you use as a starting point to get a general sense. After that, Let's assume that Ryan does this and he says, okay, you know what? Renting is way cheaper than it is to buy a home right now because of housing costs and because of the cost of mortgages or the mortgage interest rates. It makes more sense for us right now to rent. Okay. What do I do with the cash then? What do I do with the cash if I know I'm not going to be putting that cash into property between now and a year from now or two years from now or three years from now or whenever it is that Ryan and his family decide to purchase that home? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the first place you can put funds is exactly where funds are now in cash in a savings account, right? You know, the pro of that is the nominal value on that amount is not going to move. It's going to stay the same. Can't go, you're not putting money at risk. So, you know, in the stock market right now, the stock market's down over 20% this year. If you'd put that 150 grand into the stock market at the beginning of the year, you know, you'd have around, I'm just going to do fast math, around $120,000 right now instead of 150. Yeah. Right? So that wouldn't have worked out to your benefit. 
You could also, of course, put it in some blend of stocks and bonds or cash is the safest place for it to be. And, you know, online savings accounts and the like, they're going to start slowly ticking up to have pay a little bit more in interest. Yeah. You could also look at treasury bonds, like T-bills, like match the maturity that a time that you're going to try to go buy something. So if you want to buy something in two years, you could buy a two-year treasury bond and earn a rate of return. Right now, I think you'll get around 3% on funds around that range. Mm-hmm. I think another place you could look to invest would be, you saw, probably saw a lot in the news recently about I-bonds. Yeah. I-bonds are, you can only put $10,000 in, but you can get a interest rate. It basically floats on an interest rate on CPI. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm specific, if it's exactly CPI, but it's close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what is it right now? Like 9.6%, 9.7%. Yeah. It was, some, it was a it's, high interest rate. Yeah. If you hold it for a year. Is, unlike bonds, where bonds have interest rates, but the price can fluctuate. So I could buy a high yield bond that pays 9%, mm-hmm. but the price of that bond could still fluctuate. It could go down 9% and then my, I'm flat. With I-bonds, it's a guarantee principal plus interest on top of that. And that interest rate, it resets every six months. So if inflation stays high or goes higher, well, your interest stays high or goes higher. Mm-hmm. If inflation starts to come back down, then your interest comes back down, but so is inflation. The downsides, as you're mentioning, Scott, is you're only you can only do ten thousand dollars to it. Yeah, you can get a little, and some people have gotten trickier around this, and it's like ten thousand dollars for me, and ten thousand dollars for my wife, and if we have a trust, ten thousand dollars for the trust, for my but LLC, for my kids, for my, yeah. There's it's, also a, like a return on hassle there, though, so so be mindful of that. Like, you're, yeah, you're taking you, a lot of time. You try, do you have any money in I bonds? I don't. I tried to. It was a hassle. And, and some people, it's not a hassle. Like I went online because I wanted to do it. I wanted to see what it's like because I'm talking to clients about it. And it's not like it's not a modern, new, fun piece of banking software that you right. have a delightful experience and you put in your information and fireworks go off and here's yeah. your interest payment. Yeah, It's the exact opposite of that. It's yeah. treasurydirect.org. You try to find the tiny little font that says open an account here. You click through some pages. I got through the end of it and it said, we can't verify you or something. Please Go get this piece of paperwork notarized, mail it back to us at this address. We'll get back to you with a response in three weeks. And it's like, okay, at that point, is it really worth right. the interest? Exactly. So if you have a seamless experience, a lot of people have, great. It's a great place. It's the highest guarantee you're going to get on your money right now. Mm-hmm. It's just how much is it worth if it's going to be a hassle to go take care of it. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, those... I don't want to say those are your exhaustive options. Obviously, you can do a whole bunch, but you know, we talk about cash. It's going to stay stable. It's not going to grow. It's going to lose out to inflation. But the alternative is investing it. And if you invest it, there are stats, and we'll talk about these stats a lot when it comes to long-term investing of, look, when the market's down 20%, on average, the return over the next year is 22%. On average, the return over the next three years is 41%. On average, the return over the next five years is 72%. So those are pretty compelling odds that say if you've got some time, the average return is probably going to be pretty good once you're yeah. investing after a 20% market decline. The key there is the word average. Average. Right? So we're looking <laughs> yes. at like all of the there's been 20% or more declines of numbers. Yeah, of that period of time. And sometimes it's shorter and faster. Like we just like the COVID crash, right? We came back so fast. I think from the bottom, we were back up to break even in like six months. Yeah. yeah. It was really fast. It was extremely fast. Yeah. Versus like, you know, the year 2000, it took a very long time for us to get back to break even and to start seeing really positive numbers again. And actually the whole decade we ended up seeing on a nominal basis, we saw that it was actually a slightly negative return for the S&P 500. 
The nice thing is, you know, Ryan's putting money into a brokerage account already. Mm -hmm. So we could almost view that in a way. I don't know if that brokerage account is earmarked for anything in particular, but if it's not and the market runs, well, you could always access your brokerage account for the down payment yes. if you need some extra funds. Yes. So I'm talking about these numbers and you wisely point out those are just averages. This is absolutely not a recommendation to invest those dollars. If you only have a one to two year time horizon, maybe even sooner if a perfect opportunity comes up, the last thing you want to do is have your home payment money down 20 or 30%. Right. And then say, shoot, we can't afford that home that would have been perfect for our family anymore. Yeah, you probably want to have it in, you know, a much more stable place. And the most stable is cash. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go along a spectrum through, you know, government bonds by maturity. And the further out you go, the longer you go out, the more volatile it is, the shorter you're lending money to other people, the less likely it is to make a big move, even though we've seen down moves in basically bond markets across the globe yep. because we've seen interest rates finally rise. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to be really careful right now. Yeah. And especially because of the time horizon we're looking at. If Ryan said, I have five years, I have seven years, I have 10 years. Well, right. the more and more and more likely we are to say this at least makes sense to consider investing. Totally. But one to two years, just it's not a long enough time to say with any amount of certainty that there's going to be a positive outcome. To your point, though, it's like you can do a hybrid approach, right? You just have to understand the risks that you're taking. So mm -hmm. you can choose to take, you know, some dollar amount of funds and invest them knowing that they could easily be down just as easily as they could be up in the one two year time frame mm -hmm. as you're pointing out when we have market declines the prospective returns for future returns are getting better and better and better mm -hmm. the more the market falls because it's just the way markets work yep. yeah <laughs> <Right? It's laughs> Ex expected future returns are going to be better when you know pe ratios and everything comes down because it's just it's how the math works yep but that doesn't mean the timing is going to work out for you. So you have to be really careful. Yeah, fully agree. Ryan then says, he says, conversely, if we plan to stay in the new home we purchased for 10 plus years, does the higher house cost slash higher inflation rates really matter if we have the money set aside right now? I guess some of this boils down to the old rent versus own. Yes, it's a good point that he makes. I would say that it's easy to get caught up into trying to predict where things are going next. Mm -hmm. It's easy to say, oh my gosh, well, with interest rates rising, how many people are being priced out of the real estate market? Housing prices have to fall. Mm -hmm. You have others who say, oh my gosh, there's so much demand and so little supply. These increases in housing costs are just going to continue. Like You have people arguing both sides. I think what you and I oftentimes talk people through is make the decision to buy when it makes sense for you. Yes. You find the right home when you can afford the payment, when other things are in order, especially because, yes, your home is an asset and hopefully it's increasing in value over time. It's not a traditional financial asset in the sense that you're not going to live on it like you are your 401k one day. Right. Where, yes, ideally you buy your home when the market's low instead of high, but all else being equal, like so let's say the value of your home drops in value 50% mm -hmm. for the rest of your life, but you're going to stay there forever. Mm-hmm doesn't really matter that much because it's still serving the same purpose of being a home to raise a family. And it only matters if and when you sell it and if you need to live on that money for whatever reason at some point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that the further you plan on staying in that home, the longer you plan on staying in that home, the less it does matter. I would agree with that completely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. I think we look at this and probably say Ryan's doing it the right way. He's controlling what he can. He's maxing the 401ks. He's investing to college plans, investing to a separate account. The things that you can control sound like they're being done. What you can't control, what none of us can control is what happens in the next one to two years. Without a doubt, 
he will look back, we'll all look back and say, well, of course we should have invested or a good thing we didn't invest. Of course we knew the market was going to keep falling. Like it's in retrospect, it's going to seem like the answer today was obvious of what you should have done with that money. But where we are today, not knowing the future, just kind of understand that it's okay that this, you're not going to get the best rate of return on that money. You're going to protect that money. Absolutely. In cash. H- hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, but another thing, when we actually kind of started talking about the, how much will it cost to rent versus own? If, Ryan and his wife find that they're in a position where it will cost more to own than it currently does to rent, and they have excess cash flow right now, they might want to look at taking that differential and saving it for either more down payment on a home or just getting used to the fact of that to see how it feels before they dive in, Mm -hmm. right? And then they could also take those, maybe they choose to take some of those funds and you know, between the 150 and the extra funds that are coming in, determine what's the right amount of risk that I want to take and go ahead and do that. Yeah. Yeah, I fully agree. Plan, act as if almost, live as if. Make sure that if you identify the home that you want, can you really fund that? Add the extra cost to your investments, your savings, like you're mentioning, to get a sense of what it feels like to make that larger payment. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Anything Anything else? No, I think that's all I have. Ryan, good work. Thank you for your question. And that is it for today. Have a good one. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.